Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Kylie Camps and welcome to the podcast. This space is dedicated entirely to making a difference in the lives of women. I believe we all have a right and a responsibility to truly live our best lives. It all begins with curiosity, changing our thinking, and cultivating more self-love. Through thoughtful conversations and shared experiences, I really hope that you can take something away from this podcast. I'm a business owner, a speaker, a sleep consultant, and mum of twin boys. I've also recently completed some training in the cognitive behavioral therapy space, and I'm super, super passionate about the ability that we all have to really improve our days. And ultimately, when we take ownership of improving our days, we're really improving our whole life. So let's get stuck into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. This podcast is a conversation with Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. Dr. Sarah is the author of the book, You're Not Broken. I absolutely loved chatting with Sarah. We cover so much helpful information in our chat, and I think you'll be able to really take actions away from this conversation, which is really, really important to me. I know myself, when I'm listening to a topic I'm interested in, yes, I want the intel, I want the data, I want to know the info and the context, but I also want to leave the conversation feeling like I can change something or I can actually do something to bring about a positive change. So I loved speaking with Sarah and I believe we have had a really, really valuable conversation. Before I dive into telling you a little bit more about Sarah and our chat, I wanted to speak quickly about the product, the hero product, in my opinion, one of the hero products, I should say, uh, by Nutra Organics. Nutra Organics have sponsored this episode, which I'm so grateful to them. I love working with Nutra and I am obsessed with Collagen Build. It's no secret. I use it every single day and even... Before I was working with Nutra Organics, I was a customer. I was buying thriving powder from the time the boys were like two and a half, three, and using it religiously because we called it the boys' good behavior smoothie when they had thriving powder in it. Um, but in particular, today I wanted to speak about collagen build and also collagen beauty. So, collagen has been a bit of a buzzword in the health industry in the last couple of years, and I think it's warranted. I know myself, I really feel and see a difference when I'm using the Collagen Build or Collagen Beauty products by Nutra Organics. Collagen Build is my favorite. I absolutely am obsessed with it because it dissolves really, really easily. So the difference between Build and Beauty, I mean, they have so much crossover, which I'll talk about, but the difference is collagen beauty is really designed to focus on your skin, hair, and nails and gut health, whereas collagen build has different peptides, which are designed to tone, repair, and build lean muscle mass. Now, I love going to the gym, and so I lean more on collagen build, but even if you're not training, I think collagen build is brilliant because it has magnesium in it, which as women, magnesium is so important to us, particularly for our mood. Um, I cannot swear by magnesium enough. I also find that collagen build just dissolves really, really easily. So if you drink tea and coffee and you're not a vegan, but you have a tea and coffee every single day, there is no reason, in my opinion, that you wouldn't want to consider adding collagen build to your tea and coffee because you're getting those peptides, you're getting magnesium, magnesium, excuse me, you're also getting a great whack 
of protein, over 17 grams of protein per serve. And we all know protein is so good for us in terms of keeping us feeling satisfied. It's a macronutrient that we need. It's really, really important. And so many of us are walking around not getting nearly enough protein. So it's a very, very easy way to do that. Collagen build, because it dissolves so easily and is completely flavorless, is such a universal product. I use it um, when my boys have smoothies. And one of them in particular is really loving having a chai tea. He's so funny. Every morning he'll say, just a chai latte, thanks. Extra honey. Like, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. And I put a little scoop of collagen build into his tea as well because, again, it's just getting some magnesium and some protein into him and he is none the wiser. Now, collagen beauty is also a unflavored powder as well and it dissolves. I do find Collagen Build dissolves with a little more ease. Collagen Beauty certainly dissolves, so you just have to be a little more vigorous with your stirring or your shaking. You can add both of these products to savory or sweet muffins, pasta sauce, bliss balls, pancakes, pretty much anything they can be added to. And Collagen Beauty is great if you're really looking to improve your elasticity in your skin or the strength of your hair or your nails and your gut health as well. So Collagen Beauty and Collagen Build, two different products, some crossover there in the fact that they both have protein and they are both collagen, they're powders, they're unflavored and they dissolve, but slightly different combinations there to target different concerns. If you are interested in getting more magnesium in and toning and repairing and building lean muscle mass, go for Collagen Build. If you are more focused on improving your skin, hair and nails, definitely go for Collagen Beauty or grab them both and have them at different times throughout the day. Win, win. My discount code for Nutra Organics is Kylie all in capitals. So jump over to their website, use the code Kylie in capitals for 15% off and check out Collagen Beauty and Collagen Build. So my conversation with Dr. Sarah Woodhouse, I loved it. Sarah is a research psychologist and trauma expert who grew up and trained in the UK. She now lives in Australia with her husband and three children. Her research explores how different ways of thinking feeling and being can affect trauma symptoms. In her work, Sarah uses her knowledge and also her personal experience to help people break free from their past and reclaim their lives. As I mentioned, her book is titled You're Not Broken. I really, really recommend this book. I so enjoyed reading it. It's very, very digestible which I think is important. I know a lot of you listening, you're busy women and you don't have time or I was going to say even the brain space, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean we have so many tabs opened and it's like our capacity for taking on new information sometimes is limited. And it's like, just give me the actual need to know info. And I think Sarah has done that brilliantly in her work. We talk about what trauma exactly is. We speak about how trauma can impact our life and in particular our romantic relationships. We speak about coping mechanisms and also post-traumatic growth, how we can actually take a challenge and grow and use it as fuel to, um, you know, send us further and to improve things in life. Because when we're in the middle of a hard situation, it feels just that. It feels hard. It feels overwhelming. You can get into a bit of a why me state, which I completely understand. But Sarah speaks about post-traumatic growth in a way that I think you'll be able to really, really access and lean into. So without further preamble, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. It would mean a great deal to both of us. If you take a screenshot right now, pop it up on your Instagram stories, tag us, and then we can share it on our our stories as well. So let's get stuck into my chat with Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. Sarah, thank you. 
Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy morning to have this conversation with me today. I have been so looking forward to speaking with you because I have devoured your book over the last week. So thank you and congratulations on your book. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so, I got my copies of it yesterday. They all turned up in the post and it was such a total thrill to see them all there. It's it's a wonderful thing. So thank mm, you. I bet. And it is a beautiful book, not just to look at, but to read as well. And for our listeners, it is called You're Not Broken. Break free from trauma and reclaim your life. That's it. That's right. Yeah. That's the one. Now, I am really looking forward to exploring this topic with you. It is a topic that we've kind of scratched the surface on before on the podcast, but it's such a big topic and there are so many layers when it comes to trauma. I think one of the things that it's incredibly important for our our listeners to understand from the get-go, though, is that trauma really exists in the reaction not necessarily in a specific event. Can you explain that to our community? Yeah, very happily. And and I actually really appreciate having the opportunity to explain it in this way because I think so much of the kind of misunderstanding of trauma comes from from this, from people not really understanding that that trauma is a reaction. And there are a ton of reasons why we we have misunderstood that, not least because People think trauma is the same as PTSD, which, of course, is described as a disorder. So we lose this idea that actually it's a reaction. And it's it's really a reaction to an experience in our life. And, and for some, that is a severe extreme event. You know, that's the truth. 70 to 90 percent of us experience what a lot of people call big T traumas during their lives. So that's most people. Right. We're going to experience some some fairly major uh, sort of traumas and and situations in our lives but they can also be reactions to very commonplace everyday experiences um it's the reaction or certainly the base of the reaction that we need to focus on and is and is similar across all of those experiences whether they're big or whether they're you know relatively everyday so it's a reaction to an experience that leaves us feeling extremely overwhelmed threatened in some way and out of control or some people use the word helpless or powerless and that's a really big aspect of of it of it as well so so we react to an experience in our lives whether that's within a parental relationship or any kind of relationship or you know as more of an sort of external experience we react um our nervous system reacts so that's the, the important thing. Our survival response goes off. We go into fight, flight, freeze. And because of the overwhelm and because we feel out of control, that survival response doesn't switch off. So in a way, we live the rest of our lives with this. Uh, the word I like to use is overreactive. So an overreactive nervous system um, that's easily triggered. So we like find everything's heightened, everything's heightened. Yeah. And we find ourselves often pulled back into the old reaction. So it's triggered by, I don't know, a conversation at the school gates or um, an interaction with our partners, something our children says could be anything, a smell, a noise, a, a situation we find ourselves in. It, it, it It's triggered. So it's very easily triggered. And then we're pulled back into that old reaction. And 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 that's really the key thing to focus on because the honest truth is that the 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 actual reaction itself can be quite different for all of us like you said trauma is really 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 broad trauma symptoms are really broad so they're, they're things as diverse as people pleasing to um anxiety or feeling often feeling shame to even chronic pain so we've got this huge spread of symptoms. So you can see people kind of scratching their heads. Well, how is that all trauma? Well, it's all trauma because it, it all links to that a reaction. So it's all part of a reaction to an experience in the past that made us feel overwhelmed, threatened and out of control. And then the actual the way the reaction shows up for all of us can be quite different. 
So it's like a muscle memory kind of thing, isn't it? You're holding this reaction within you and then it just gets triggered, as you mentioned, which, you know, I just think about then, you know, the surface just gets scratched a little bit and that muscle memory pulls you back into that reaction. So it's always kind of lying dormant just below the surface there waiting to kind of pull you back into that, that mode. That's totally right. That's a great way to explain it. And actually, I, part of the thing I found difficult writing the book is because I was so completely determined to write a really accessible book because I personally, I mean, I've researched trauma for, well, it's coming up to 14 years now. Um, and even I read some of the trauma books and they're so heavy, so academic. You know, they use these quite... Um, sort of frightening terms often or it can get very physiologically detailed they're really explaining what goes on with the fight flight freeze response or other aspects of our emotions and it can all feel a bit much so I was really determined to write something that was very accessible Um, but at the same time trauma is a fairly complicated process if you keep digging down and digging down so at the top level it's a reaction well what's going on underneath that it's a lot to do with our memory so you're saying muscle memory well we we know that trauma essentially is an unprocessed memory so that's exactly what's happening so so because we were so overwhelmed in that moment a long time ago, our memory didn't work in the way that it should and the way that it usually does. So the experience wasn't kind of filed down into our into our long-term memory banks. We didn't understand it. We didn't process it. So it kind of exists in this really fragmented way, which, which means it's very easily triggered. So that's what mm. happens. So we're walking along and suddenly we're reminded of it. And unlike being reminded of other experiences in our life that we did process, we can be reminded of it. And then we can kind of have some choice around whether we think about it or what we think or how deep we go. We don't have much control over it. So we're reminded of it. And then we have this massive reaction to it that feels quite out of control. So you're absolutely right. It is to do with that, that, that the memory aspect is a really key part of why we're triggered. And it's like, I guess you know, also a default setting. And when I think of it in that terminology, like we all have our own sort of default setting to be sensitive or to react or engage and disengage. And we're all walking around with this very personalized, subjective default setting to that trauma, to that muscle memory, you know, different things lying dormant just below the surface, waiting to be scratched and triggered. And so when you think about it in that way, it's really no wonder that so many different personalities exist, but also it makes it very clear that when it comes to relationships and in particular romantic relationships, we've got our own setting, we've got our own function, our own muscle memory, and that must obviously impact the way we communicate, the way we give and receive love as well, right? Oh, totally. And I think this is one, this topic, you know, how trauma, how our unresolved trauma affects our relationships today. I think it's the one in the, I mean, in the book, honestly, it's the chapter that took me the longest to write. I I, I had so many conversations. I wrote, I rewrote, I digested, I rewrote, I, you know, because it's complicated. Relationships are complicated, right? But I knew from my own personal experience and speaking with, you know, hundreds of people over the years, that it's really the topic that can make a huge difference to people. So trying to explain how trauma shows up and, as you say, how really we we all bring our own stuff to the relationship and, and, and that within the relationship, we're very often triggered. You know, if you think about what's going on there, if you think about what's happening, even just on the day to day, whether we're thinking about kind of raising kids or whether we're thinking about romantic relationships or close friendships, that the nature of them is that they can be really, really triggering. Um, so we're triggered and then suddenly we, we we find ourselves reacting in an old way and 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 it is old. And I think that's that's the top level messages if you find yourself repeating these really difficult situations, difficult arguments within relationships, difficult feelings, overwhelming feelings, consider the idea that you're being triggered and and actually it's not your kind of grounded, strong adult self that's talking and reacting this way. It's the past. You know, it's almost like it's the voice of your trauma. 
it's it's your old stuff that just keeps popping up because you're so triggered Mm, absolutely and I will just say the chapter in your book on relationships I have actually taken photos of some of the examples and sent them to some of my friends and said you need to get this book when it comes out because I love the way you explain it because like you said you really wanted to create something that is accessible and easy to digest and you have you've really nailed it the examples you give in that chapter in particular about you know exactly what you're speaking about now you know when you find yourself repeating the same habits or having the same conversations you have to get to a point where you go okay what is this and be willing to look at the actual cause not just stay stuck in that symptom loop that response that's right and I'm so so happy to hear that it resonated with you because you write you know you write a book and and you, you hope and you pray that you're communicating your ideas in a way that it's people are going to be able to understand it so when you get feedback like that to hear you say you know I really got it it's just oh makes my heart so happy um so thank you for the feedback oh, I'm yes, sure you'll have lots of that feedback yes I really hope so but yes it's a really complicated topic and and I, and I, yeah I, I hope that the information in there is is really helpful pe- for people and helps them kind of pick it apart I know that a lot of um, the listeners of the podcast are really interested in the topic of relationships because it's such a huge fundamental part of our life. And so many of our listeners have children and are married or in long-term partnerships. So how, like, what are some, I guess, examples of what it could look like when one person or both people in the relationship are being triggered? Well, I think the the truth is what we're looking for is repetition. So there are a hundred examples that I could use. So triggers are, are quite personal to us, right? So so what triggers me is is quite likely to be different to what triggers you within the relationship because it's based on my relationship with my parents or my my past relationships. Um, but having said that, there are of course things across the board that we we're all more likely to find triggering. For a lot of people, it's conflict and disagreement. Of course, right? When we enter into a conflict, we feel really threatened. It's really likely that we're going to be triggered. It reminds us of something, a, a difficult moment, perhaps with our parents or an old relationship. Like I said, so we're going to get triggered, and then the reaction that we have comes from the past rather than from us today um other triggers a really big one i would say is feeling unseen and unheard it's it's a term we often use with kids right we've got to make sure our children feel seen and heard but because that was part of our childhood if we feel the same way in our relationships today we just don't feel like people are understanding us we're not feeling seen they're just they're not understanding how we're feeling um not feeling listened to that can be really triggering so it can trigger our old you know our inner child essentially can 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 get triggered and kind of come out and react before our adult self has had a chance to 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 think and 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 respond in the way they might want to um being criticized or feeling criticized so whether it's happened or whether we're just feeling criticized is another really big trigger i would say um I'm, I'm feeling unloved, you know, feeling unloved or unliked. There are, the, you know, very common triggers or f- feeling rejected as well. Um, having said that, I would also say that a lot of people have triggers around intimacy. I certainly have um, less so now, but certainly have had a lot of triggers around um, feeling, whether it's to do with a romantic intimate moment or whether it's actually to do with emotional intimacy, a lot of people can feel quite triggered around that um, and can end up responding in a way that when they're not feeling triggered, they don't want to respond. So they might end up pushing people away because they've been triggered. They just can't bear to kind of have people close to them or touch them or might walk away from a conversation that they really need because they've been triggered um and and then and then that kind of old reaction comes out and the reaction can look different for anyone for for a lot of people it can be feeling overwhelmed uh for for other people it's insecurity that's a big one so when we're triggered within the relationship we can then feel really insecure or anxious 
Uh, for others, it's more like a, a shame, shame feeling or blaming other people. Also, aggression and anger. You know, if, if that's frequently coming up for you or you're seeing that coming up for your partners, um, it's it, it's the repetition. So I'm not saying everyone who's ever overwhelmed or everyone who feels angry is being triggered. What I'm saying is these are the common triggers. These are the common reactions. And if you're finding that this is happening repetitively, so, oh, okay, well, in these certain situations with my partner, I'm always or very often responding in this way. I'd be saying, okay, it really does sound like something from your past is being triggered. And that's when we begin to have conversations about about unresolved trauma and what that might be for you and and what part of you it's bringing up and reminding you what what's being what's what you're being reminded of from your past Mm, so many of the things that you just mentioned and Sarah I think are so common when it comes to being in a relationship and just as you were listing them out I was thinking that I imagine a lot of people are experiencing you know, a a variety of those issues, but perhaps not understanding why or where it comes from. So they're cognizant, they're aware, okay, I'm quick to anger or my partner is quick to feel criticized. And, you know, they, they, they have an understanding of what's problematic on the surface level. They know that, but they might not have that understanding why. And at the start of our chat, you mentioned there are big traumas, which are, you know, you're quite um, cataclysmic kind of life events that are an obvious trauma. And then you have perhaps your less obvious traumas. So I guess where I'm going with this is for people who are experiencing, you know, some of those symptoms, but not understanding why, is it important that we get to the core? Like what is the root cause of feeling this reaction? Or is it not essential to get to the core and just important that you recognize what's going on and you sort of take action to remedy at a surface level? Like, does that make sense? It makes total sense. I can imagine for some people they'd go, oh, yes, I want to know why. Like I absolutely want to get back to my inner child and figure it out. And then for other people, they're like, I don't I don't necessarily (laughs) want to go back all that far. I just want to know how to fix it in the moment. Like, can you have can you have one without the other? I guess is the question I'm asking. You totally can. You totally can. And, and And honestly, I think anyone that works in trauma that tells you otherwise is I don't I it's I don't know what the right word is but not telling you the truth because we're all different we all have different needs and trauma is such a, I, I keep saying it right but trauma is such a broad it's such a broad spectrum of of symptoms you know the way unresolved trauma can show up for us all that of course we all have we all can have and do have different responses to it and different needs when it comes to breaking free from it so I would absolutely say that it's very possible to break free by looking at today and healing today instead of going back. And you'll know quickly if it's not. Start at today. You know, begin looking at your coping mechanisms. Begin um, really leaning on other people and, and and being much more open about your feelings. You, you know, I've, I don't know if I mentioned it, but this, using those six tools in the book, say, or you know, using polyvagal breathing, whatever it might be for you that you want to use at home to really empower yourself and shift out of these patterns, do it. You know, I'm all for that. Just, you know, I'm doing a high five sign in the air. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. That's what I want people to, to be doing, to feel empowered and not feel afraid of this. Because yes, there's so much that we can do at home. Um, uh, and, you know, I wouldn't say do alone. I would say that's a bit of a red flag. When I say do at home, I'm not necessarily saying do it alone. Uh, We must open up to people. We all need a support network. We all need cheerleaders, right? So we still pull people in. We still lean on people. That's a critical part of breaking free from all this stuff is is actually moving from I'm an island to, "Mm, okay, I think I might, you know, I think I might need people and, and just allowing ourselves to kind of open up and be vulnerable um so certainly start at home do that and and people will learn you know if the patterns don't shift then it's it's feasible you're going to need a little more help like I did like a lot of people do um but you get to choose you get to choose where you go you don't have to go to a clinical psychologist you can you can work with a coach you can 
you could have uh, three sessions of clinical hypnotherapy to work on a belief that's particularly stuck. You can have somatic body work, which is the most gentle, glorious treatment. I love it. Um, and often involves you just lying on a bed. It's wonderful to, to kind of help <laughs> your nervous system re-regulate. So I would say absolutely start at home um and 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 then be honest you know if if six months down the line or three months down the line whatever it's things aren't shifting in the way that you hoped then ask for help and that's okay and know that even as you ask for help you you don't have to have the conversations you don't want to have many people don't um we, we can and in fact actually I talk about it in this exact chapter don't I explain how important it is to acknowledge an experience from the past but not necessarily pick it apart we don't have to and actually that can be quite quite traumatizing it can re-traumatize us if we go too deep or look into too much detail in those experiences from our past so I know this is probably not the clearest of answers but what I'm saying is start at home if you need more help um do it and 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 know that there are many many different avenues that you can walk down and I'm certain that one of those you'd feel comfortable with. No I think that is a really helpful answer Sarah because I know myself some people who know that they're stuck in this response and that you know they're being triggered and living in that response kind of cycle but the fear of going too deep or what they might uncover stops them from wanting to really look at the root cause so to be able to say hey you don't actually have to go all the way back and unpick every single thing in your childhood because that just feels like far too big a beast but you can start to face and start to heal and make improvements and feel better just by looking at what's going on for you right now and addressing the right now, I think that that will be really, really helpful and appealing to a lot of our listeners. You really can. I'm not just saying you really can. There's just so much you can do. And in terms of breaking free from our unresolved trauma, because when, when, say we look at our coping mechanisms, say we've always been reliant on avoidant coping mechanisms which is which is a a common symptom of unresolved trauma so say we're using um we're we're avoiding our feelings rather than facing them say through compulsive eating or maybe distracting ourselves compulsively by looking at our phone or thinking about work whatever it might be once you begin to remove those um things start to flow right our feelings flow suddenly we're able to to connect with our feelings and depending on that you know the the how extreme those feelings are for many people that there's massive relief just from connecting with them and then using other tools writing about them speaking to friends speaking to family but we begin to allow things to flow and and that in itself breaks us free from the loops we've been stuck in and then of course there are other people who who realise as they pull back from those coping mechanisms that the feelings are overwhelming and they do need more help and support with it um but I do, I did, do want to come back to a point that you just made, you know, about people being so afraid that there's there's something really dark in the past and being nervous to look back. And I just really want to point out that I felt like that for a really, really long time, by the way. And so many people I speak to do. It's why I called the book You're Not Broken, because uh, uh, so many people that I speak with experience this belief that they're fundamentally broken and that something extremely bad happened and has led them to be fundamentally damaged you know that's that's a belief so I just want to highlight that 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 is part of the trauma response so part of the reaction is is this huge kind of fear around them being us being kind of broken or damaged or something so terrible happened I won't ever be able to repair from it that's part of the traumatic reaction and as people heal they they heal that belief and 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 often they are able to look back without that 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 fear so it's a gentle process but just really wanting to highlight that that the belief doesn't ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Doesn't mean it's true. It's mm. it's it's often so part of the reaction. Yeah. So important. And you've mentioned coping mechanisms, which I wanted to speak with you about as well, because so many of us default into these behaviors and these habits and we don't know why we do what we do or when we might not even be aware that we're doing it you mentioned then compulsive overeating I have a history with eating disorders and I know that's a response that is very very easy for me when things get tough my brain is like okay Kylie it's time to restrict it's time to count calories like and it's something that I always have to be super mindful of I would love to say that I hope one day in the future I'll be completely free of it but I know that just in the past um, 14 years since sort of going through it all it's it's something that it's a bit of a I guess an indicate an indicator light for me when I'm feeling that urge to do it I know something else is going on below the surface so that coping mechanism for me definitely involves food and restriction what are some other coping mechanisms that people might lean into that might not necessarily be the most positive Mm. um I've also got history of eating disorders by the way so I totally relate to everything you've just said um and I think food is a really big one and and I focus on that in the book that at least half of the um one of the middle chapters is about food because whether or not it's restricting which is sounds like it was your experience and that was my experience as well was was quite at times quite extreme restriction of food to allow me to kind of cope and and feel in control feeling control feeling yeah. control exactly right uh, go figure you know trauma is about feeling out of control so it's a oh, really common total sense. it makes total sense and right sometimes that's the hardest thing it's like oh it's so obvious yeah <laughs> tell me about it no I agree with that yes totally um but so whether it's the restriction or whether actually that there are so many kind of dysfunctional damaging food behaviors that's what I'm trying to say so it doesn't just show up as that a lot of people um have have an issue with compulsive eating so compulsive overeating which at times I have as well I've had both ends of the spectrum um so so that's very very common um and and really I can't highlight how common that is actually because so many of the retreats or or um even even professional training that I've been involved in when when we talk about this stuff I would say 70% of the room mentions food as a way of coping because Mm, because because we're human and and we all feel and we all eat and it doesn't take that much for the two to become quite entwined I would say and I just I just then I can't remember exactly where I was reading it but it was about our I guess preoccupation with food and there was, oh, I'll have to, I honestly can't remember where it was that I read it or heard it, but it was about saying that, you know, in this day and age, so many of us have lost touch with religion and spirituality. So we're turning to food for that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, it's a key part of any addiction is essentially we, which, which anything like this, anything compulsive, whether it's overeating or even undereating is a compulsive behavior, whether it's shopping, you asked me to list more, didn't you? And I got stuck on food. Um, so, so whether it's shopping, whether it's, uh, whether it's working, that's a really big one, whether it's going online and looking at our phone, if it's compulsive, so if it's a little bit addictive, essentially what we're looking for is connection you know that that's what we want we want we want to feel connected we want to feel it is quite a spiritual thing it's it's that the more you read about this the more you talk to people about it we we reach for oh of course alcohol drugs there's there's all of those as well and gambling what we're doing is we're trying to fill a hole that's in us you know and that's quite a spiritual concept isn't it we're we're looking for connection we're looking for depth we're looking for love um, and we reach outwards to try and plug that hole. Um, mm. Yes, absolutely. So, so that that link, you know, we're 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 in need of a spiritual journey, and that's what we want and need. But we kind of look in the wrong places, we, and we all do that to a certain extent. We all do that until until we don't, and or certainly until we we try not to, and have these kind of conversations and these kind of journeys that allow us to realise that that what we're reaching for can't ever fill that hole fill that void it's so true what you just said about connections and 
it reminds me of the work of is it Johan Hari? Mm, he speaks about yeah. the loss, um, about how depression and I think he talks about addiction as well, like the antidote to these negative experiences in life is connection. Like we all are longing to feel connected to someone or something bigger than ourselves. Mm, oh, it's just so true, isn't it? And and even when we think about the the so the post traumatic growth research that I know you're you're interested in, aren't you? When when you look at what what that actually looks like, okay, so how do we get post traumatic growth? So that's growth after we've experienced um, tra- trauma and hardship. So how do we grow from it? What what are these people doing? And and the truth is well, between 50 and 70% of us experience some kind of growth after trauma and after hardship. And when we dig down and look at what that's about, we can see it's a lot to do with connection. So when you talk to people who've experienced really high levels of of post-traumatic growth, they say, well, I, I I let people in you know, I let people support me. They, they kind of use the experience itself as an opportunity to get closer to other people. Because when they do that, they're opening up about their feelings. So, you know, as I mentioned before, that allows their, them to express their emotions. It allows their feelings to flow. Um, it allows us to feel vulnerable. And, and also we, we speak about this experience that potentially could be really shaming because that's a big part of trauma is is often you know we've experienced these things and a lot of us internalize it we blame ourselves many of us end up carrying shame about it so if you open up if you can allow us others in if you can connect uh to other humans or to to your spirituality to whatever spiritual connection that might be and and be honest you know allow yourself to be fully seen it 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 kind of tempers the the shame so it prevents that that from spiraling, which can be a big problem. It can really keep our trauma symptoms going. It can keep us stuck in the reaction. So so connection is everything. It really is. It's so important. And I am really interested to explore the post-traumatic growth side of things with you, Sarah, because, again, when we're feeling these things, it's like, oh, it's shit, I'm broken, I'm damaged, it's hard. And not understanding that, yes, whilst all of that can feel true at times, it can also be the foundation to make things so much better. And, you know, just, I guess, for context, I can share in my own personal experience that going through a really difficult time with a divorce and a marriage breakdown and managing, you know, a whole shift in identity has been so hard. But I can say sort of, you know, two years on now, knowing what I've gone through, going what I've gone through, it has added so much richness and so um, so much depth to new relationships and to, I guess, being able to refine what it is that's really important to me. And so with hindsight, I can go, okay, the these really tough times have allowed me to, whilst they sort of pulled me back, that old analogy of the arrow gets pulled back, Mm. you also can get shot forward and things can get better. So how can people tap into that side of things? How can we take our traumatic experiences or our challenges and actually be propelled forward? I mean, it's so so interesting I love hearing about your experience and I write about this a lot in the book I've there's a chapter sort of dedicated to growth and resilience because because it's the key thing isn't it that's as you say we all need to know how to do this how to as I, as I said at the beginning of the of our of our conversation 70 to 90 percent of us are going to experience the big sort of severe traumas and then you know, we're up to 100% when we're thinking about the more common everyday traumas. So how do we grow from them? Well, a big part of it is is what I just mentioned. It's about allowing yourself to lean on others. And it's such a simple, simple mechanism that people often dismiss it, right? Because we all want complicated things. I've, the, the answer can't be that simple, but it's very clever. 
the way that it works because if we allow people in it it does all of those wonderful things that i've just said it allows our feelings to flow it prevents us getting stuck in shame um it also helps us co-regulate so what we know about trauma is that um is that it's a dysregulation of the nervous system well the way we re-regulate our nervous system or one of the ways that we can and do is by being around people who have a regulated nervous system isn't that incredible so we're supposed to be with other people. We're supposed to be standing next to people. We're supposed to be cuddling them. We're supposed to be opening up because that allows our, literally, I feel like I'm going to cry as I say this, but it allows our bodies to heal. You know, so don't dismiss it. I would say if you, if you want to grow after your trauma, open up to the people that love you. Not everyone, you know, of course, not everyone, but the people in your life that you love and trust, allow them in. And and it's and it opens the door to to quite miraculous healing, I would say. And if you don't have those people, you know, of course, not everyone is in a position right at this moment in time that they they actually are surrounded by people that they trust or love. I mean, in fairness, it just has to be one person. But if that person isn't there, find a great therapist, find a great coach, find a clinical psychologist, find someone, you know, professional who can help you co-regulate and heal through that relationship. Um so that's the first thing I would say is it's it's it, it's so important to allow people in. But also I think it's... Which, sorry, sorry, I'll just add to... I was just going to really highlight that because I think so many people want to retreat mm. and they want to do it on their own and they'll say to themselves, well, I can't be with anyone or I don't want to get tangled up in anything until I fix X, Y, Z. So just really, really shining a spotlight on how important it is to connect and allow yourself to co-regulate so important it is so important and that there are a few kind of core um core kind of aspects that make the trauma symptoms persevere so so keep us stuck in them so we have the reaction and then okay well what is it over time that really so some people over there look like they've they've got free of it they're there they experience the trauma but I mean, admittedly, not all of them might be experiencing extreme post-traumatic growth, but certainly they're not stuck in that traumatic reaction anymore. So what's the difference? And and I really hope that your listeners can hear this when I say a big difference is social support, is allowing people in. I'm, I'm not just saying it. It's, it's, it sounds simple, but it's so important because trauma makes us want to hide. It makes us avoid other people. It makes us avoid our feelings. It makes, makes us avoid people it makes us avoid love makes us avoid vulnerability so we've got this huge pressure on us to to go inwards as you say so this pressure everything is pulling us away from other people it's disconnecting us from other people and it's I know it's so so hard but somehow you know finding the strength to make the phone call to invite people in you know to allow people to see you will make all the difference over time and and I say that and I know how hard it is. I've been there. I know how hard it is to make that phone call, but it can it can make the difference. Really, it can. And for those people listening who might potentially have a fear of rejection in reaching out, it's, again, just highlighting what Sarah has said about find a safe person that you can do it with by hook or crook, whether that is, you know, a therapist that you can connect with or some sort of modality that speaks to you, but dip your toes in the water, dabble, like start making those connections in whatever way feels safe for you to do so. And it's the old, you know, to build confidence, you have to build evidence. So you can do it with a therapist to begin with, and then you might have more confidence in being able to do that with a friend or, you know, a romantic interest and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's definitely true. A lot of people that I've spoken with, the, the first relationship that they've healed within is within that therapeutic relationship. I mean, I would say for me, I work with one of my therapists who I have mentioned in the book. I worked with her for five years. Five years. I have no shame around that. Mm. Five years of, okay, it wasn't necessarily weekly sessions, but five years of constant kind of contact, constant care. It, it that That depth of the relationship of me really learning that, she was there for me and that she cared and that she knew me and that she she saw me and she heard me and nothing I could say, you know, would frighten her away. That the stability of that, the stability of her response 
helped me heal in a really, really deep way. So don't mm. discount it. Certainly, it is so, so important. Absolutely. So yeah. were there some other um, tools at all that you wanted to share in terms of the post-traumatic growth? So that's the first and it sounds like the most important um, tool to to sort of tune into when it comes to taking our challenges and being able to move forward. Did you have any other suggestions around that? I think the the one that links to that that I did mention is is being willing to express our feelings. So understanding that you've got this huge amount of sort of some people describe it as trauma energy. So you've got this kind of pent up energetic reaction racing around your body. It's got to come out. And I'm verbalizing it. So talking about how we feel is one of the key ways that that can happen. So, of course, that links to what I've just said. You know, there's got to be someone standing in front of us for us to be able to talk about how we're feeling. But don't discount how important it is to talk about our feelings. And if you want to grow after trauma, it's a really key aspect of it. Honestly, owning and voicing our beautiful, messy feelings, you know, is a really important part of it. And then as well as that. I mean, there's so many different aspects to it, but I think the one that sums it all up is, is, is a willingness to kind of take stock and review. You know, you said you had this really tricky time a couple of years ago and you had the divorce and, and it was really hard and and no doubt I would imagine fairly traumatic at times. And, And then you look back two years later and there's been a shift, there's been a positive impact on your life. Stuff like that doesn't just happen by accident. It requires us to to have conversations with ourselves about what's important to us you know what's important in life so this has happened what what are the take-homes what what do I want from life where am I going and and as we have those kind of conversations about what we want what we're seeking um how how we want things to look two years down the line what what we don't ever want to happen again and what we really do want to happen what we want to draw to us we we become able to to change we become willing to change we change the things that need changing when when we have these moments in life that are like almost like a full stop like a take stop like a a, a kind of take stock or you know just take a beat we we review we set goals we uh, and that prompts the change you know and and it and it sets us off on a new life path that's the truth. These moments, they're almost like, what's that film? The you know, sliding doors. You know, it's yeah, that moment of, yeah. that's it. Exactly. It's such a great film. Um, it's that sliding doors moment of, okay, this has happened. And now what? What do I want? And that's the Absolutely. I was um, being interviewed recently by a woman called Lauren White for her podcast. And I was saying to her, it's so important that when we drop, like if you imagine you're carrying this bundle of sticks and that's everything, then you get to your limit and you just drop it. Like you lose your shit, you drop your sticks everywhere. Having that moment where you've dropped everything on the floor, you sometimes need to just join the stuff on the floor and cry and let it all out. Mm. But at some point you will stand up and you will cherry pick the things that you want to pick back up and in what order. And For me, that's probably the way that I explain going through a really hard time and then being able to see a little more clearly again. It's like zooming out and going, okay, I was able to drop everything. And whilst it felt and at times still does feel really overwhelming and really scary and sometimes I get stuck in my freeze response, there are moments when I can see clearly and go, okay, this is an invitation to choose what I'm picking back up. Oh, I just love that analogy. I'm going to use that if that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. It's I'd great. Like a co-authorship on the next one. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's great. That's exact. That's exactly it is we all drop the sticks, right? We all have those moments. I've got mine flashing through my head as we're talking, you know, thinking about something in particular that from about 18 months ago for me. And it was one of those moments where I was really rock bottom and disappointed and upset and frustrated because I was rock bottom again. It had all gone wrong. Ah, you know, and and had hoped never to be there again. You know, my sticks were all over the floor. And mm-hmm. and then a year or however long it is, 18 months on, I'm stronger. 
my life doesn't look the, the same. It doesn't look as it did before the experience happened. I, I picked up what I wanted and what I needed and what I wanted my future to include. And and I grew from it. And I, I just love that analogy. That's exactly right. Well, your book is filled with really, really practical and accessible information you have a whole chapter on the tools which we won't go through now because I want people to go and grab your book um, (laughs) which as we said it is called you're not broken break free from trauma and reclaim your life Sarah it has been a pleasure speaking with you where can our listeners find your book at the moment it's available uh so online uh you can order it online it's available through all of the major distributors so it's um amazon book depository all of those um and in your bookshops and it is a gorgeous book it's like a marble cut um kind of like a marble paper kind of cover with a gold with gold cracks through it which are very poignant they just did so well, didn't they? I just love the cover. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's supposed to be a sort of smashed pot that's been repaired with gold. So it's got the gold leaf on the cover. Uh, when they sent it to me, I was so overwhelmed. They just did such a beautiful oh, job. I can imagine. And it's very much in line with one of my favourite quotes about, you know, don't be afraid of the cracks because the cracks let the light in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's so beautiful. Who's that? I don't know who said it. <laughs> they're very they're very poignant, whoever they I are. I don't know. I, I have this ability to hold on to um, just the quotes, and I really struggle to remember the correct attribution at times. It's one of my, um, yeah, I don't know, I always say like my brain, it can hold on to a certain amount of things and they'll stick with me, but I can't remember where or how I heard it. But I think that anyway. might make you quite smart because you remember the important bit. You remember the quote yeah. and all the extraneous information you let go of. I can't even remember the quote, so you're, you want to help me. <laughs> <laughs> now, before I let you go, I have just a handful of quick rapid fire questions just so that our listeners can get to know you as a person you've provided so much for us today um, that I know of course comes from you as a person but also you as a professional so just a few more questions and I'll let you go (laughs) great okay number one do you have a must read book other than yours that you would recommend um to do with trauma or anything anything just a book that you know you might find yourself recommending to clients or friends um I mean in the self-help sphere I just love Peter Levine's work so I would say Peter Levine's anything by him healing your trauma um is 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 the new one it's very small very much more accessible so his a lot of his books are very academic but he's got one that's called healing trauma and it's really accessible and that's great if you're interested in the what i've said about kind of re-regulating your nervous system he touches on that in the book um so i would i would recommend that one for sure on a personal level i'm big into teenage vampire stories so that's odd isn't it uh all the the cassandra claire oh is that the twilight one or no no oh no it's it's sort of actually called teenage vampire stories no that what are they called i think they're called um they're they're called the mortal instruments so there's a uh, there's a series of six books by cassandra claire and i am i mean all i'm doing is listening to them when i'm not working i've just got my earbuds in and i'm listening to to these incredible stories so yeah i love love that because it's so important that we have our, like our own little escapism, whatever it is. One of my best friends, she's obsessed with Twilight. She's a 38-year-old woman. She's like, I love it. <laughs> I can so relate. Tell her, you must, promise me, you're going to yes, hang up the phone I to me her. and you're going to text her, Cassandra Clare, The Mortal Instruments, and she will love me forever because they're amazing. Mortal they're better. Than Writing it down right now because <laughs> I will text her because we're both readers and we. it's funny, we, we're always swapping books, but we don't have that fantasy crossover. Like I just, I, I don't know, it's never spoken to me in that way. So she'll love that I'll be able to offer her something different. Um, number two what do you do 
for fun. I know that you are a busy woman, you have three children, and I've spoken a lot about the topic of fun on the podcast because I think for women it gets taken off the table. We, we stop thinking about fun, you know, the more responsible and more grown up we get. So I love asking guests, is there an activity or a hobby or, you know, it can be small, it can be big, but how do you tap into fun? Oh, that's really true. That's interesting. Um, the truth is, in terms of fun, I would say, so my kids have an incredible sense of humour. So I, what I want to do is say I do an amazing hobby that's really fun, like tango or something, but I don't. I, I don't have that hobby. Maybe I should. But my kids, like laughing with my kids, really belly laughing, you know, going down to the the, the ocean baths and jumping in and just the freedom of being in nature with them, all of us giggling. Oh, it's the best. So that's that's the time I feel the freest when all of us are just laughing together not worrying about school, not worrying about work, work. Um, maybe we're on the beach or, you know, maybe we're, we're in the bush or up in the Hunter Valley, you know, horse riding, but laughing with them is a total tonic. It's amazing. Magic, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Kids are so good at bringing the fun. Yes, exactly. They are. And even when I'm not in the mood for it, you know, you kind of resist it for a minute, you know, I'm being very serious I've got something to do here they they oh they always manage to to make me smile they do it's great <laughs> so special. Yeah. um do you have a daily habit that you're really proud of something you do each day that really serves you well I do and I've done it for I would say for about 11 years so so I've, I've really committed to this one. Uh, yeah, I'm often quite flaky, but acknowledging that's really helpful for me to see that I can commit. Um, I I meditate every morning, but it's not just meditation. I'm really into sort of chakra work and energy work. So I do this incredible meditation that you kind of ground through your feet and then you kind of draw up the energy from the earth and you see it coming into your root chakra and then, up, you know, slowly up, it sort of comes up into all three your different chakras. And and I have done that every morning for the last, yeah, 11 years. And sometimes I do it in two minutes or in a minute while I'm in the shower, if it's a crazy kind of get the kids to school morning or other mornings, I'll sit there for half an hour, 40 minutes, just really enjoying and being with my body and being in the stillness of that. But meditation and connecting with that sort of central part of me is is really important to me I, I don't think I could do life without it I bet even just hearing you speak about it I'm like oh I feel calm just hearing about your daily habit I must give it a try um and the flip side the other end of the stick do you have a habit that you're not proud of like an annoying habit something that you do that your family are like mom Oh, that's a tricky one. Oh gosh, you should ask them. I bet there's, I bet there's thousands. I'm like, no, there isn't a single one. Um, what I am a flawless human. <laughs> oh, very far from that. Uh, I am very far from that. Um, the thing that comes to mind. I mean, I've got lots of personal ones that are really niggly, and you know, because obviously I'm very into kind of breaking out of habits and breaking out of cycles. Um, and the one, the the one I would say is often I'll eat kind of like dried fruit and things like that in quite a like habitual way in a you know so so I don't eat chocolate I don't eat sugar for health reasons I don't eat stuff like that but I do still eat kind of dried fruit and and I'm aware that it's a bit of a crutch it's a bit of a um yeah because you know it, I mean I know it's joyful isn't it we're all allowed comfort but this isn't a spontaneous comfort thing it's become a bit of a habit um, so there's that for me personally, but I know if my kids were here, my my son in particular, who's eight, they call me Bernie Mummy because I I can't cook. Like I I, I just <laughs> Bernie I, Mummy. I just can't cook, and it's all the more embarrassing. Although thank God I married him because my husband is an incredible cook. His mother is Lebanese, and she is a published author. She's done four cookbooks, and she's taught all her kids to cook the most incredible Lebanese food. So. Luckily, my kids don't starve because my husband is an amazing cook. But I, I and people think I'm um, exaggerating. But I think what was it the other day? I burnt an omelette 
And we were all just stood around the around the oven, just looking in dismay, just like, how how do you do that? She's how done do it again. Burn, she's done it again. How do you burn an omelette, Mum? I don't even know. I don't, I don't know how I did that. I'm really sorry. It's a superpower. <laughs> it's a superpower of mine. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, do you have a TV show or series that you've recently watched or even a movie or a documentary or anything like that that you have watched and would recommend? Oh, the one that we've just started, actually, I really, really like um, is Superstore. Have you have you seen that one on Netflix? No, I'm not the best. I'm I'm someone that like I can go for quite a while without watching TV. Um, I've not heard of it. Superstore. What's it about? Superstore. Um, that's amazing, by the way, that you don't watch TV. I certainly do. Um, I love it in the evenings. Just someone telling me a story. I think it's so. Oh, I've I've been watching it more recently, um, but I'm just I'm not super up to date with all of the new things that are out. Oh, the new stuff. stuff. Yeah. Totally. Well, Superstore is about a sort of massive American chain store, akin to I probably can't say their names, can I? But imagine the biggest American superstore that you can. It's about the people that work there, and it's really light, and and it's got. Um, just really endearing characters because I find often with TV um, the characters aren't that likable or it's frightening I don't I personally don't like watching TV that makes my body feel stressed and scared so I I never go for that kind of stuff and this is just really light silly um, nice people saying silly things so if you're into that I'd really recommend it (laughs) nice nice easy escapism exactly yeah and last but not least, do you have a favourite quote or perhaps some words that you live by? Um, let me think about that. I, I do. I do. It feels a bit personal saying it, but I do. I, I very often, I do, have a, I do have faith and I would say the serenity prayer. Yeah. To me, whether you're in, you know, whether you're in recovery or whether you're not, whether it resonates or not, the messages within that, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I mean, I say that day in, day out. It helps my parenting. It helps my relationships, you know, helping me find. Oh, it applies to everything. It applies to everything. And I find it really helpful. It kind of pulls me back to my adult self um what am I responsible for what can I change and what isn't my business what do I need to let go of what do I need to just hand over and come back to me and the things that I can change for the better yeah Mm. so that's that's the one for me I would say it speaks to me as well so thank you so much for sharing that it has been a real pleasure to speak with you today where can our community connect with you I'm everywhere online. You can't get rid of me. Um, <laughs> She's around. <laughs> I'm around about. Uh, so my website is www.sarahwoodhouse.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, which is at the Sarah Woodhouse. And the same again for Facebook. We've got a really big, glowing Facebook community there now. So it's at the Sarah Woodhouse. And on Twitter as well, I'm at SN underscore Woodhouse. And yeah, often there and would love to connect. Brilliant. I will make sure we have all of those details in the show notes as well as a link to shop the book as well because I do really, really recommend it. You're Not Broken by Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.